The following is a recording of the Reverend Charlie Dupree at St. Paul's Episcopal Church in Richmond, Virginia on October 27th, 2019. Thank you for listening. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. Luke. Jesus told his parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and regarded others with contempt. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee standing by himself was praying thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, thieves, rogues, adulterers, Or even like this tax collector, I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all my income. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even look up to heaven, but was beating his breast and saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his home justified rather than the other. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled but all who humble themselves will be exalted. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Most of you know by now that I am a practitioner of mindfulness meditation. And one of the reasons why I am so dedicated to this practice and feel so strongly about it is that it calls me to look at myself. It calls me to look at myself. While most people think that meditation is about creating some sort of perfectly still, thought-free Zen existence, let's just debunk that myth right now. That's never going to happen. Our brains are designed to think 24-7, even while we're asleep. So meditation actually calls us to examine what's happening in the mind. It calls us to observe what's happening in the mind. And yes, our thoughts will slow down and we can be aware. Do I have a busy mind or do I have a calm mind? What's the emotional quality of my thinking right now? What's really happening up there? I like meditation, not because it creates a carefree zone, but because it calls us to be honest about what's going on within us and around us. And it might not always be what we expect to see. But once we look at it honestly, we are more likely to move through it instead of getting stuck in it. Our gospel reading today is, for me at least, an example of what it means to look honestly at the self, to be self-critical. The parable that Jesus puts before us paints two portraits, two very distinct portraits of the inner spiritual life. Today we have two prayers And they are examples of how to approach our life with God. Now, in order to understand a little bit more about this, we have to look more closely at 
the Pharisee and at the tax collector? What that might they have been seen as in first century Galilee? No joke, these two would have been considered very opposite figures. The first hearers of the story would have seen them as opposites. The Pharisee found great value. All Pharisees found great value in adhering to the law of Moses. It was their way of maintaining their identity in a Roman-occupied society. So to keep the ritual laws about cleanliness and how to eat was a way of saying, this is me. And it's also a way that they encountered God in normal, everyday life and activities. In the parable that Jesus tells today, the Pharisee fasts and gives a tenth of his treasure. The Pharisee was a very devout, holy practitioner. I'd welcome that Pharisee through those brass doors any day of the week. But what about the tax collector? This is the part that would have been scandalous for those first hearers of this story. The Roman Empire had a way of taxing the citizens of first century Galilee. And we don't know too many details, but we do know that it was a notoriously corrupt system, says one scholar. They collected taxes in neighborhoods and on highways and in markets and in, on docks, writes Matt Skinner, professor of New Testament at Luther Seminary. Roman officials enlisted members of the population to bid for contracts. And this means that tax collectors could line their own pockets with whatever they chose to collect over and beyond the actual contractual obligations. So the gospel kind of operates with this understanding that tax collectors were generally viewed as dishonest and greedy. The Pharisee, the tax collector, two characters brought into plain view today. And through their prayers, we get a glimpse at ourselves. So what do we see? The Pharisee prays probably in the temple, Lord, Lord, I thank you that I am not like those other people, thieves, rogues, adulterers, or this tax collector. Those other people who rob and cheat and line their pockets with my hard-earned money. Thank you for not making me like them, Lord. The Pharisee has drawn a line in the sand. And this line in the sand would have been drawn by many people who heard this parable. But what about the tax collector? Doesn't he have a chance? Is there no redemption for him? The tax collector prays far off. Interesting, isn't it? The Pharisee probably prays in the temple, but the tax collector is somewhere else, and we don't know where that is. It might be a spiritual state of being. Maybe it's by a stream. Maybe the tax collector doesn't feel welcome in the house, the dwelling place of God. But the tax collector does pray, and we learn about his posture. 
doesn't even look up to heaven, beats his breast and says, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. Honesty can be liberating, can't it? I've had conversations over the past with people who find the nature of confession off-putting. The idea of talking about sin in church, off-putting. In a recent conversation, one person said that sin and this conversation is the reason why church is so uncomfortable for people. Well, yeah, a little uncomfortable (laughs) to talk about sin, to talk about the ways that we fall short, the ways that we miss the mark. It's hard to admit that. And the language can make us feel like we are under the thumb of a punitive God waiting for us to screw up. But this is the deal. The Pharisee doesn't make a confession. The tax collector does make a confession. The Pharisee only talks about what he's doing right. The tax collector makes the confession of brokenness. And this is why I believe that confession gives us a glimpse into our best, truest, God-made selves. To admit that we are sinners is to be actively aware of the human condition, and it calls us to fess up to our own fallibility. Confession is an antidote to our egos. None of us is perfect. None of us is without sin. We all fall down and we all fall short. And so to me, confession, and this is something you and I do every single Sunday, we confess our sins. There's a moment of silence after the bidding to confession where we get to think about what we have done and left undone. So to do this is a liberating act. And it puts us in the company of great fathers and mothers of the faith. And mostly it reminds us that we all bathe in the warm baptismal waters of humility. Humility. There, I said it. Think about it. We live in a world in which failing is not celebrated. We live and work in a society in which people become sick and depressed and addicted, and they even hurt themselves if we aren't in complete control all the time. I didn't do anything wrong. Not my fault. I don't need any help. I've got this. Exhausting. But this tax collector, what a breath of fresh He prays that he is a sinner and admitting this imperfection only serves to bring him closer to God. And scripture tells us that he's justified. What does justified mean? It means he is held in God's embrace. He is made right again. He has found favor. The bottom line of our gospel today is consistent with the themes of past gospels. Today, Jesus highlights the centuries-old tendency to draw lines in the sandbox and to divide God's beloved community. Oh, Lord, I thank you that I am not like those other people. 
Have you ever thought of others as those other people? Maybe you've been one of those other people. Maybe you've been colored as a person who isn't allowed to pray in the temple or play on the playground. Maybe you've been one of those people who thinks differently or doesn't quite know what box to check. And truth be told, do we really think honestly that the building up of God's creation is about about checking boxes? And so it is with our Jesus. He is always pointing out the deficiencies in our boxed binary black and white thinking and how God's grace surpasses all of them. Today, the Pharisee thanks God that God did not make him like those other people. So the question for us, is there really an other? In God's world, is there really an other? Or are we all connected? Bound together in love and companionship, warmed by the same sun. What is the sin that is brought out in this parable? Well, it is this, not the sin of difference. The sin brought to light today is that one person has written off the other. And my friends, we just don't get to do that. If we come to church for no other reason, we come to church to be reminded that we are connected. We come to be reminded that truly there is no other. And we come to be reminded that humility is essential, a part of our essence like lavender or patchouli. Our practices of confession and coming to this altar bring out that fragrance, reminding us of God's vision to be together even and especially in the midst of difference. It reminds us that humility is not a one-time event. Humility is a posture of kneeling and standing and kneeling and standing and kneeling and standing. Humility is an ongoing movement in which we realize that if we do happen to fail or fall, that we need the other person to help pick us up. C.S. Lewis says that humility doesn't mean that we think less of ourselves. It means that we think of ourselves less. Or another definition from a 1970s country song. Oh, Lord, it's hard to be humble when you're perfect in every way. I can't wait to look in the mirror because I get better looking every day. To know me is to love me. I must be a hell of a man. Oh, Lord, it's hard to be humble, but I'm doing the best I can. <laughs> we are far from perfect. I am far from perfect. Humanity is far from perfect. The church is far from perfect. But it's a lot better off with a dash, a healthy dose even of humility, a spiritual gift that the world doesn't teach. But St. Paul's, we teach it. This is our classroom. It is the foundation of our faith, the well from which we drink. 
Humility is stronger than those white columns on our porch or this white marble on which we walk. Humility shines more brightly than these beautiful windows and is more glorious than the polish on these most dazzling doors. Oh, Lord, it's hard to be humble, but we keep trying. And with God's help, we will learn the love language of Jesus, which is none other than the language of humility. And we will train our ears and our hearts to hear the one who speaks to us in humility, calls to us in humility, whispers to us in humility, and celebrates with us, celebrates with us whenever we erase those lines in the sand and get about the work of forgiveness and building the kingdom of God.